Welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. I am today's host, Josh Humphreys. Troy is not feeling too well today, so he asked me to step in. And if you're wondering who is our guest today, well, do I have an answer for you? The uh, guest host today is Jake White. He's been um, our worship leader for about two months, coming up on three months. Um, and uh, yeah, so Jake, thank you for being with us today. Glad I'm to excited be here. that you're here. And I know that our church is excited to hear you talk about um, things because I know that you don't get a lot of uh, mic time talking about that and, and hearing that the church doesn't know how wise you actually are. But we're excited for him to be on this podcast today. There is a lot of great things happening in today's podcast. We have gone um, through a lot of numbers, numbers 9 through 22, Psalm 31 through 33, the book of Proverbs. We didn't really hit on a lot um, today. And then we, we talked about Mark, and we answered some really good questions. So we're super excited for you to tune in today's podcast, and we really hope that it blesses you. Thank you so much. All righty. Thanks for tuning into our podcast today. Super excited to dive in and talk about what God has shown us this week. And I'm going to go ahead and start us off with the book of Numbers, Numbers 13 and 14. There's a lot that's happening here um, in this passage, and I know that Jake is going to be talking about that here in a little bit. But I'm going to begin in uh, Numbers 13, starting with verse 27 and reading through 30. Um, and this is what it says. This was their report to Moses. This is the spies. They've just come back from Canaan. And verse 27, this was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev, and the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. Uh, the Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land. He said, we can certainly conquer it. Um, and it's super cool here. If we look in scripture, this is a very, very important part of it because we see God's promises fulfilled from Exodus chapter 3. Uh, remember, in Exodus chapter 3, this is when the burning bush is speaking to Moses. The presence of the Lord is among them, and he is making promises to Moses. And, and specifically, the, 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 the promise that is being answered here, um, it was promised in Exodus 3, verse 8. Um, and we're going to start in verse 7, but this is what it says. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And so in Numbers 13, the verses that I read, we see two promises of God fulfilled uh, and um, just like uh, what was the word I put? I said that they are fulfilled and confirmed. These promises of God's uh, of, of God is uh, promised. It's fulfilled and confirmed. Uh, these spies went into this land, this this 
the the place that they had been told about they had never really seen before they just knew about it uh, and the first promise it was a land flowing with milk and honey and the second promise was the the people who live there as you read both of those passages you hear the same ites the kind of people who were there and so we see god's word being fulfilled um and so when we see uh, God's promises being fulfilled, it gives us this confidence, which is why in verse 30, Caleb, um, he says, hey, let's go at once to take the land. And he said, we can certainly conquer it. This was the promise of God fulfilled. Caleb and Joshua saw this. They believed that and they knew that they could do whatever God had called them to do. Now, what we know is that the people of Israel don't agree with him. And in fact, they uh, actually believe the opposite of it. Um, You see, Caleb and Joshua and Moses had full confidence in God because they knew that he was a trustworthy God, that he was unlike anything else, that he's holy. Um, And so they had faith in the promise uh, and they were going to be obedient to it. Um, But the people of Israel, on the other hand, were in a whole different level. And I know you're going to speak on that here in a second, but I I wanted to to emphasize something in in, uh, chapter 14, right at the beginning, the people are complaining and (laughs) they say um, something super interesting in verse three. He says, why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? And it's interesting to me because these, the Israelites are having way more faith in something that has not even occurred yet. Like, like the people, the Canaanites and the giants that are there don't even know that Israel's right there. Like they don't know that they're near <laughs> at all. And um, they're like, they're going to kill us. We're all going to die. Lah! You know, they're freaking out. And then Caleb steps up again and he says something super interesting because he knows the promises of God. This is um, this is what, what happens. Joshua, son of Nun and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, tore their clothing. They said to all the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. He's reminding them of God's promises. And he says, do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, uh, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. And then there's this really sad part where the next verse says, but the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua. And I'm going to let Jake pick up there. Okay. Yeah, that was the the section that really stuck out to me through all of this, that through all of the things that they had been brought out of and all of the times that they had been shown the greatness and the power of God. And then they just forgot everything Mm -hmm. when there was something else that happened. Yeah. And so I think it's great that they had these leaders that were willing to say, hey, no, like this Mm -hmm. is going to be okay. God's Mm -hmm. still here. He's still powerful enough to do this. Let's not fall back. Mm -hmm. And uh, from there, it continues. And this is the part that's really crazy to me in verse 11. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will this people despise me? And how how long will they not believe in me in spite of all the signs that I have done among them? Mm -hmm. And that's just so present and it's still so applicable today Mm. as we see so many things that God does but then we might justify them as oh well it just got really lucky or that's because that's kind of how they grew up Mm -hmm. or just different things I feel like we try to justify the wonders of God and then the other times we we say well we haven't seen God move in the same way we've never seen him part the seas Mm -hmm. we've never seen this 
even though when you really step back and look at all the things that God has brought us out of in yeah. life, it's really remarkable. And I think it's so crazy, and you kind of alluded to this when they were talking about, would it not have been better for us to stay in Egypt or for mm-hmm. us to die in the wilderness? And they were saying to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt, where that idea is all throughout the Old Testament of mm-hmm. people just saying, God, we don't need you as a leader. We need somebody else yeah. to make decisions for us. And we can see pretty often that that does not work out in their favor. Yeah. And that whole idea is so similar to what we do nowadays, mm-hmm. even though we wouldn't call it necessarily like false gods or idols or what we're finding our own leader, mm-hmm. but really we are. Yeah. And we're so looking for our own things in the world to kind of satisfy mm-hmm. our desires for peace and, and yeah. things like that. And so I think that this is just so cool. And that whole idea of how long will these people despise me? Mm-hmm. It, it comes up again in the Mark passage that we'll look oh, at yeah. later when he says, you faithful s- generation. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of all through scripture about how it's not like it's a thing that we see mm-hmm. nowadays with yeah. people not believing in God. And it's just been going on the whole time. And yeah. so it's really important that we do cling on to those, those signs and wonders that mm-hmm. he's shown, but also that we have leaders yeah. and people that are willing to remain faithful to God's word. Yeah. And things like that. Pretty cool passage. You wouldn't think that not everybody goes to numbers for yeah. stuff. Yeah. And I want to kind of wrap this, uh, at least this numbers passage up with a pretty bow. It's actually not a pretty bow, but it, it comes to a conclusion um, before we move on to our next devotional point. It's just really important. I think that we get the whole picture of what's happening here. So Jake um, just described the about God is speaking to Moses and he's saying, why are these people continuing to do all of this? And he then then God says, you know what, I'm I'm going to destroy them. And then Moses goes to the Lord on behalf of his people and begins um, talking to him. Hey, if you do this, then you're just you're going to be like every other God out there. Uh, and we know that the Lord is a consistent God and a good God. And something that Moses says to him, he reminds God, not that God had forgotten, but he he says uh, God's character to to God. He says, the Lord is slow to anger and filled with unfailing love, forgiving every kind of sin and rebellion, but he does not excuse the guilty. And so we see God here in the next few verses um, just basically do exactly what that verse says. He was slow to anger. He does execute justice and he still loves. So he does not wipe the Israelites off the face of the earth, which is what they deserved. But something really sad in the storyline of the Bible right now is that these, this generation, this people who, um, who God rescued out of Egypt, they're no longer going to be allowed to enter into the the land of that's flowing with milk and honey, which is really crazy. Yeah. Um. But verse twenty three says they will never even see the land I swore to give their ancestors. None of those who have treated me with contempt will ever see it. And that is just like, I mean, that's like, it is a heartbreaking part in the the storyline of the Bible. Like, wow, even this people who had all the confidence that they needed in the Lord will not enter into the kingdom, the the Canaan land, which is crazy. But um, that's not the end of the story. Um, And we know that that at some point people do enter into the land, Joshua and Caleb for sure. Um, And then the rest of the storyline of the Bible. Uh, plays out and so you'll just have to keep listening to the podcast <laughs> to hear what happens next after uh, what we read in yeah. numbers today i also think like the last thing with that yeah is that it's it's a good picture of how 
it's not just that, oh, yeah, I believed in God because he did this one cool mm-hmm. thing for me, and now I'm just going to go on my yeah. own way. But it's a continual mm-hmm. decision to follow, right. to trust, and have faith right. in who he is. And continually, like, God forgiving his people and not wiping them off the face of the earth, which is what they deserve, right. which is what we deserve because we act the same way. Yeah, it's um, easy to point do. the blame at mm-hmm. all of them and what they've done. Yeah, Even <laughs> right. When you look in the mirror, it's like, oh. Yeah, right, right, right. No. Yeah, so um, that's that's what we pulled from numbers. I'm going to go ahead and go to Mark. Um, there was so, 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 so much stuff in Mark this week. I wish I could just go chapter by chapter. I know probably Jake has a lot of stuff from Mark. There's a lot of good stuff in Psalms, a lot of good stuff in Proverbs. And it's so hard to narrow that down. But today for me and Mark, um, I wanted to talk about the transfiguration um, of Jesus on the mountain. It is such a cool story, but I'm not going to be talking about it like t- talking about Jesus' transfiguration um, specifically. I'm going to be reading verses 2 um, through 6, uh, and this is what it says. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And so this is just a very cool passage because right like right here and then right after that God speaks from heaven in a cloud which is crazy cuz we just read a passage mm-hmm. where God is speaking the presence of God is speaking uh in numbers which we know is a cloud which is really cool but uh, then he says this is my beloved son listen to him and so we see Jesus's godliness we see his holiness within this little passage and Peter, James, and John are seeing this for the like the first time. They're seeing him like they know that he is the Son of Man. That's what he's been saying. But this is like the time where they see him as, oh, this is God's Son. This is who we have been taught about our whole lives. And it gives me chills, like even right now, just as I'm thinking about it. His first words, and Peter said to Jesus, it is good that we are here. Like, I just think about that, that word it is good. Like that should bring us back to Genesis. Like this, this understanding of it is good. Like it is good. It's so simple. And those are Peter's first words as he sees the radiance, the glory, as he sees the, the, you know, clothes, like no one could bleach them. Like he sees the holiness of God. He beholds who Jesus is. And he says, it is good. And that like that that's it that's all there is to my devotional point like he sees and beholds god and he says it is good and i think that we would do well to to be the same way just yeah. look at him and see it is good those are the types of passages that every time i read them they just give me that that fear that we you know we've yeah. ta- we've, we've talked about yeah. that before that when you see it it really takes a step back mm-hmm. from kind of our day-to-day thing mm-hmm. Yeah, that was something we kind of talked about even this past Sunday. Yeah, right. Of just how the busyness of life kind of distracts us and mm-hmm. blinds us from who God really is. Yeah, and that sometimes it's really good. And even even passages that we've heard before, mm-hmm. when you just stop and you hear them again, or you really think about yeah. what it's saying, it changes it and yeah. makes it totally different. Yeah, Jake and I and a, a few other of the 
young adults at our church, we were talking about this concept of God's holiness and fearing him. And uh, we talked about the word awesome, like, and just how we say, oh, that's awesome. Like, like we give this awe. But when we think about that, like about God being awesome, like he is one to be looked on with awe, like that is just, he's God. Like, I don't know. That's something that we've talked about a lot and just understanding that he is more than just, you know, your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, but like he is God. Like he is the radiance right here. His clothes became radiant, intensely white as no one on earth could bleach them. And he was transfigured before him. Like this is who Jesus is. He is not just human. He is God completely and fully at the same time that he is completely and fully a human being. And that shows his holiness. And when we see that, we should look upon it and say, it is good. Yeah. You know, and that's something that I, I had heard this years ago and I still still think of it. There's, you know, the Isaiah six and there's some mm. passages in Revelation that are similar. Yeah. Just talking about kind of this picture and this image of mm-hmm. God and fire and, yeah, 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 and yeah. lightning and all this stuff. And uh, I I think of that a lot as mm-hmm. I'm praying. Yeah. And oh, my ha- gosh. Me, having, too. I've heard that same thing. Having that image of like wow, this is who I'm talking to, mm-hmm. and it's not just Jimbo, your neighbor. Yeah, right. And it really does make such a difference. And wow, I get to talk to the creator right. of the universe. Right, right. And uh, that's that's pretty scary. Yeah, I mean, and also just think about, like, when in the passages we were reading about Moses, like, not everybody was talking to God. Like, nobody could enter into the, the holies of holies. This was the, the high priesthood. Like, only they yeah. could do this. And now... When Jesus died on the cross, the importance of that uh, carpet, that's not what it is, uh, the curtain ripping is, oh, we can all enter into the presence of God now. Exactly. So we can enter into that Isaiah 6 throne room of like, it's shaking, smoke is around, and there are angels singing, holy, holy, holy. That's who we're talking to. Yeah. And like that, that's just really crazy. Yeah. But that's my that's my devotional point. Okay, what my other got, one. Um, I'm going to Psalm, so Ooh, that way yeah. we can see something from there. And this mm-hmm. is in Psalm 31. And I'm going to start in verse 7. It says, I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love, because you have seen my affliction. You have known the distress of my soul. And you have not delivered me into the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a broad place. Mm. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye is wasted from grief, my soul and my body also. For my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity and my bones waste away. And he continues, the psalmist continues to talk about how basically this idea of his sin is wasting away his body Mm. because of how overwhelming it is. And he continues, but, which I think is so cool that all this is happening, but I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. Mm. So it goes through this whole thing saying all this is happening. My body is wasting away because of my sinful nature, Mm. but I know that you're still God. And I think about, this is kind of a stupid story, but um, when I was a kid, I went up to the city museum one time and got super lost. I mean, (laughs) so lost. And I don't know if you've ever been there, but there's just like this series of tunnels and mazes. And really, it's just like a parent's worst nightmare. Yeah, Um, no, really. (laughs) I got lost. And I remember just, I was with my older sister and we were just 
terrified the whole time of <laughs> how are we going to get back to our parents. Mm-hmm. And there was something like we could hear my dad's voice and he was talking to us and he was helping us like get through the maze. Oh yeah. And yeah. so then we were able to end out, uh, get out of it and be together. And so it was just kind of cool. He, like how his voice gave yeah. us this comfort and peace. And that's kind of mm-hmm. what I think of when I hear things like this and like, there's other Psalms. It's like, you, I, I fill my bed with tears. I yeah. mean, just like so exaggerative, but in a, in an effort to really display how much uh, trauma and pain yeah. is going on. Right. Um, but that there's, you know, God can be a refuge for that. And mm. that's not to, to be kind of mushy or to make it sound like it's a, just a love story. Cause like it is in some sense, but it's not the way that we think of it now Yeah. that he's a protector and a provider, but also a savior and a redeemer mm-hmm. who we should look towards and not just take stuff from yeah um, that whole idea of how he's not just here to make our lives great yeah um, but really we're here to make more of of him yeah and in return he does bless us right like and that's the the beauty the beauty of the bible like i think about the passage i don't know where it's at i feel like we just read it a little a little bit ago but um when it talks about um, if our earthly father gives us good gifts, how much more will our heavenly father gift us with? And I just think about how um, a lot of the times, like sometimes we as Christians really focus on sin and and how destructive it is, which it is. I'm not I'm not taking away from that. Um, but in that, we forget the graciousness and the goodness and the blessings of God. And so then we become really sad people <laughs> who just hate life and living here um and the bible says and uh to live is christ to die is gain you know and that is true a lot of the times we focus on that last part because we think living life is miserable and horrible Mm -hmm. and it it is at some points don't hear me say that i don't i don't want to uh not address that but that first part of the verse to live is christ is so important Mm -hmm. because there are times where we're like here with the psalmist and we're just bawling our eyes out we're miserable but within that psalm, it also says, you have set my feet in a broad pasture so that I will not stumble. Like, we have to remember that. Like, God does love blessing his children. Yeah. He does that. And I think sometimes we get so focused, so focused, especially in the evangelical church, on the wrath of God, that a lot of times we miss the blessing of God. Um, and again, I, I'm not I'm not trying to paint a picture of this, oh, loving God. Right. Like, it's both and, um, because that's who God is. He loves his children. But as we know in the passage we read in Numbers, he is uh, slow to anger, but he does execute justice, which is really, really important. But anyway, yeah, that's that's all we've got for our devotional points. We'll be back in just a second with some questions. Now we are to my favorite part of the podcast, which is asking questions about the Bible. Josh, why is this your favorite part of the podcast, you ask? Well, let me tell you. I think that it is so important to ask questions because without asking questions, we're never going to find the answer. And the Bible continually tells us that when you ask for wisdom, God gives it to you. So this is the part of the podcast where we ask for wisdom and we see what scripture says because the word became flesh through Jesus, and the word is also the book given to us that we're reading from. So, Jake, what kind of questions do you have today? I have to say it like it's such a bad thing. <laughs> okay, so my first question 
We see this picture in Mark 11 of the big triumphal entry, uh, mm-hmm. all of these, this big celebration that we kind of talk about and celebrate a lot with Palm Sunday. Mm-hmm. And then right after, after that, uh, Jesus goes and curses this fig tree. Mm-hmm. So um, can you talk to us about what that means, why that's important, and maybe why that's included in Scripture that yeah. we read today? Yeah, you know, this question actually popped up for me in my personal reading as I was reading through Matthew, um, and I'm still reading through Matthew. I've been doing that for a while. But it's, this part of Scripture has always confused me because it seems very, like, uncharacteristic of the, like Jesus because it's it's like a random story right after this triumphal entry, and then he just, like, is like, I'm hungry, and then he sees a fig tree, and he's like, you know what? There's no food on that. You're done. And then the, the fig tree dies. And it's just super interesting to me because it, doesn't look like it was really like there wasn't really a cause for that. It looks like he just randomly did it. But um, as I studied it more, I realized that this is a picture of the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees um, within this time period. Um, and so let's just go ahead and read it. It's only three verses. Mark 11, 12 through 14 says this. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry, being Jesus. And seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. And so once again, if we just picked up this passage of scripture and placed it on another piece of paper and there was nothing around it, it would be very hard for us to understand what's happening within the story. But you have to keep reading to figure out what he's talking about. Right after Mark chapter 11, verse 14, it goes into the story of Jesus cleansing the temple. And it's here that we find the answer that this fig tree is a picture of the Pharisees um, within um, Israel. And so from the outside, they looked a lot like this fig, fig tree. It was leafed. It looked good. But as you got closer... There was no fruit. Um, and this is kind of a picture of what Jesus does to the, the Pharisees. Um, <clears throat> this is what, what happens in, in verse 17. Um, actually, we'll just read 15 through 19. It says, And they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, it is not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him for they feared him because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out of the city. And so it's just interesting to see that these Pharisees um, looked like they had fruit, um, but they didn't. And so Jesus in this picture, the fig tree is painting a picture of what the Pharisees look like uh, in in Israel. So yeah, yeah. Through through all of this, it, some of just the the notes on it too send you to other places in Scripture where mm-hmm. the f- same illustration of the mm-hmm. fig tree is used, talking about the fruitlessness and um, th- this this exact thing is referring to some some other places where it talks about their ritualism and legalism mm-hmm. and things like that. Yeah, uh, which are obviously still going on yeah absolutely Um, and so it's just it is kind of interesting and i think it's also hard for us to see things like this because 
we, at least me, maybe maybe not you, but <laughs> most people probably don't grow up with this same background of mm-hmm. planting and, and gardening. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe some some people, if you um, grew up a while ago, um, but for me that wasn't my yeah. upbringing at all. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's kind of it interesting. It was mine, just to let you know. It was yours. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> doesn't look like it, but I did grow up very I mean, we southerny. Had, we had tomatoes, but that's yeah. it. <laughs> So I don't think that that counts. Um, not the point. Right, not the point. Not the point. But I do think it's interesting that he's using something that they could have related mm-hmm. more to that would right. have been a bigger deal. And so that is very interesting, mm-hmm. even though it looks strange to us now, kind of looking back, especially, like you said, when you look at just the first section of it, mm-hmm. you can see, like, why would this be in here? Yeah. This doesn't make right. any sense. Right. But then once you start tying everything together, it makes a lot mm-hmm. more sense. And, and seeing... He's not just talking about a fig, a fig tree. tree. Yeah. <laughs> not yeah. that that wouldn't be awesome. Right. <laughs> it's much deeper than what we believe. Yeah. So that's the first question. What was your other question, Jake? Um, the other question that I was going to ask about is this idea with the coin and the inscription on the coin mm. and uh, whose likeness and inscription is this and kind of how that is important for us today as well mm-hmm. of of all of that and how it ties together. They're obeying. Yeah. So let's read it. Uh, Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 13, and we'll stop in 17. It says this, And they sent him to some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. They're these, uh, the Sanhedrin, this group of, uh, like the government officials within uh, Israel, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all these things, they're trying to trap Jesus so that they can kill him. Um, it says, and they came and said to him, teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion for you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. That's so funny to me. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. we know you don't care about how people look. So yeah. Let's just right. get that out of there. Yeah. But it's, it's crazy though. Cause they do honor him as like, you know what? You're not like us. Right. <laughs> Which right. is interesting. So he says, but truly you teach the way of God. So they honor him as someone who is truthful. And so then they ask this question, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? But knowing their hypocrisy, Jesus said to them, Why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. And they brought one and he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. Jesus said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. This is an incredible, incredible, incredible passage that speaks a lot about who God is and speaks a lot about what God calls us to do, <clears throat> excuse me, within our life. <clears throat> excuse me, there's something in my throat, man. Um, so what's going on here? They are they are basically asking God, should we listen to the government uh, is what they're saying. Should we do what is being told of us and pay these taxes? Um, and Jesus says, bring me a denarius, which was a coin. And he asked him, whose inscription is on this coin? Whose money does it belong to is, is what they're saying. And they is what Jesus is saying. He says, well, it belongs to Caesar. Caesar's inscription is on it. And so Jesus responds, all right, then you pay to Caesar what belongs to him. And then you give God what belongs to him uh, as well. And so uh, there's a few things that we hear here. Number one, um, we need to remember that, that God has put people in power because he is completely sovereign. Um, and so no matter who is in charge, we know ultimately that God is in charge in general. 
um, I mean, think about this. The Israelites were under Caesar. And if you know anything about Caesar, we know that he wasn't the most just and loving ruler. Um, and as we go on throughout the stories uh, of the Bible, and even if we go back in the Old Testament, we see that there are not just and, and right rulers. And even then, God calls us to be obedient. Caesar was not a great guy. But we see Jesus here saying, render to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. And then the second part is really important. Render to God what belongs to God. And so my question for you is, hey, whose inscription and likeness are we made in? And we know in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we know that God says, let us make man in our image. And so the answer to that question is we are made in the uh, we are inscribed and <laughs> scripted God's image. We are made in the image of God and the likeness of God. And so <clears throat> when it says render to God, <clears throat> oh my goodness, wow, the things that are God's, he's talking about us, our life. Um, we have been given life, breathed the breath of life into us by God. He has created us in his image and he has called us to be a living sacrifice to him. And so. Whose likeness inscription is this coin? It is Caesar's. But whose likeness and inscription are we? And it's God's. And this should yeah. change the way that we understand um, a living sacrifices and as followers of God and as creations of God and as children of God. Yeah. So I think it's also important, like if you look at a coin um, and you say, what, what inscription is this? I mean, mm-hmm. if we look at our currency now, yeah. there wouldn't be a question about, oh, well, that's... Abraham Lincoln. Right. And so the same idea of when people see you, mm-hmm. who are you representing? Right. Are you representing mm-hmm. him? Most of the times it's probably not going to be like political leaders, but it could be our culture. Yeah, absolutely. Things like that of are you following that or are you following the word of God mm-hmm. and what he says? And it's also just this whole idea of how they were trying to trap him mm-hmm. and how often I don't know if it's we would word it in that way, mm-hmm. but it's so common to try to find things through scripture yeah. to trap other people or to say, hey, I don't think this is right. I think it should be like this or take bits and pieces out of scripture rather mm-hmm. than realizing all, all of this is God breathed and profitable for teaching, correcting and yeah. instructing. And just this whole idea of, and I can see you and it's obvious that mm-hmm. you follow God and that you're not living just, yeah. like, just like with the fig tree example. You're not living a part of the hypocrisy and the legalism and all of that stuff, but you're focusing and following the love of God. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Well, Jake, thank you so much for being with us today. Um, I appreciate it. I appreciate you stepping in. And listeners, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. Um, It is a blessing to have you as a church and a blessing to have you as listeners. So thanks for tuning in. And we hope that after this, you and us have a better understanding of Jesus.